So hello, welcome to Transformation and Transcendence Roundtable Podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Ben Bennett Carpenter, life coach, and Farid Alazaba, a life coach and psychotherapist, and Joshua Morrow. I guess you should even say something so people get tuned into your voice. I think it was too quick. Huh? Joshua Morrow, who's a life coach and therapist. Hello. Say hi. They can't see your, some people can't see your hands. Ben, ben you want to say that, Ben? Okay. Mm -hmm. Fareed? Hi, everyone. It's Fareed. <laughs> okay. All right. So just a little uh, housekeeping, you might say. If you're on YouTube, please like and share. Uh, I think you can get there through Transformation and Transcendence Roundtable podcast. Uh, if you are interested in having life coaching uh, services uh, from any of these gentlemen and, and Leah Dickinson as well, you can get us through connect at franklinsollers.com or through 248-705-3798. Uh, and you can find this on, I think, all your podcasts, like, like Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, uh, et cetera, you know, so uh, we're reachable that way. Uh, anything else we should say there, Mystique? No, um, available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, Okay. okay uh, Mystique is our Cracker Jack producer. She's also an author, an editor. Uh, novelist. She she wears many hats, but she's uh, deigned to uh, help us with producing the show, which we're very grateful for. So she may chime in occasionally here and there. Anything, any other easy way to reach us uh, for coaching or anything like that, Misty? You can go to any of your social media, Instagram, Facebook, or your website. Um, there's a contact link, and in Instagram and Facebook, the link to your website, the podcast, and the YouTube channel are all in the bio. Would that be Franklin, Dr. Franklin Sollers? Yep, drfranklinsollers.com, or you can type in Transformation and Transcendence Life Coaching in Google. There's a page there. Um, Transformation and Transcendence Roundtable on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot. Oh, oh there we have a book out. Uh, actually, all three participants, Ben, Farid, and Joshua, are contributors to the book. And Mystique was the editor of the book. It's called uh, Food for Thought, Psyche, Spirit, and Soul, Stories, Poems, and Sayings to Uplift and Create uh, Emotional and Spiritual Growth. So that is on all the, uh, it's on Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, Food for Thought, Psyche, Spirit, and Soul. I'm the primary author, so if you put in my name, that'll come up there too. Yeah. Although there's a lot of contributing authors with stories and poems. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we get into the content of the podcast. Um, you know, spiritual transformation involves uh, transcending duality, that's that's maybe a fancy word, but the dualistic plane is the plane we exist on as human beings with conflict, turmoil, you know, uh, kind of uh, battles, psychic, interpsychic conflict as well. And self-realization and self-fulfillment is really, among other things, this doesn't totally define uh, spiritual and mystical growth, but among other things, uh, is transcending duality to the unity of consciousness. 
And uh, among things we do then is we find these dualistic conflicts and begin to uh, focus on them and resolve them. Uh, now, so this particular conflict is called the fear of frustration uh, versus the, you know, fulfillment, right? That kind of thing. Um, and this came from Eva Paracas' lectures, uh, but the Buddha could have written this, really. And the idea is that uh, frustration, we tense up against, we, we fear it. It causes a contraction in our body, kind of automatically. This is a common human predicament. And um, like the Buddha would say, you know, that pain, pain is part of life and life is hard. And part of pain and frustration and life being hard is, is this element of frustration. So uh, the point is, if you feel like you must have this and you have to avoid that, you know, you have to. Otherwise, you can't be happy. You can't be okay. That creates a state of fear in us psychically. Not, and not only... Uh, emotionally, but physically, you know, the body tenses, the chakras tense, we have chakras, we haven't reviewed that, but you know, we have a number of chakras, but if they close, and your body tenses up, you walk around with this state of like, um, you know, pain and tension and frustration that you kind of carry with you, rather than the idea of trans transforming it or passing through uh, frustration is that you accept it as it is. And you don't fear it, and you don't have to take it as this is dangerous and destructive. It doesn't have to be, because nothing comes from the outside that really we we haven't in some way been part of and called. Even the, the dark, painful things, there's some element in us that is aligned with that that we need to experience as teachers, you know, Troubles happen in life, frustrations happen in life, again, as signposts for us to work on. But more than that, just the idea that when you tense up and you can't handle pain and you feel like it's a disaster and you, you get all undone by it, you're closing up your sense of uh, peace. You're closing it down. You're, you're, you're not aligning with uh, the life force. You're pinching it off. You're deadening yourself. And so you miss, this happens in trauma too, but frustration is maybe a micro trauma, right? It, it, when you close it all off, you lose track of creative possibilities. And you also lose your peace, right? And if you can go through the day and deal with frustration with equanimity, which is like accepting things as they are, not like resigning yourself again to them, but that you deal with them and you learn what you need to learn and you have a peace about yourself, even with difficulties, you develop resilience, you develop an ability to, um, you know, to handle life. Because here's the thing, you know, if you want this sort of spiritual growth, self-realization, peace in life, you're not going to get it by expecting that life never brings you problems. It ain't going to happen. What, how it happens is by uh, dealing with life on life's terms and not getting undone and not being reactive and not getting intention fear cycles where you then you blame life and you hold on to hostility and angry dependence this person has to change for me to be happy that thing has to be different for me to be happy that's all not true you can be happy right now even in difficulties or relatively happy as you go through the pain 
And until you get to happy, you can at least be have a sense of peace, you know, have a sense of you can handle things. So you develop inner strength, you know, and coping. So this is what I wanted to say, uh, among other things. And there's three levels of, of uh, you might say, ability to handle frustration. On the complete dualistic level, frustration is a disaster. It's terrible. Can't stand it. It means, you know, like the death of me, right? That kind of thing. So all the tension and all the woes and all the amplification of feelings and hopes that something or some someone will come along and fix things instead of you fixing or handling things yourself. That's the that's the least mature level. The second level, which is when you begin to accept life on life's terms and accept frustration as part of life without being undone with a sense of peace, that's how you begin to change. That's how you begin to change and transform. Yeah. And that's a that's a lifelong process because you'll do it sometimes and other times we don't we're not able to do it. You know, we fall down. We you know, we're human. So, but if you can uh, look for your frustrations and try to face them in this way, you begin to transform from the unitive, from the dual, dualistic, excuse me, to the unitive state. The third is when this begins to happen and, and, and uh, when frustration comes, you realize, you breathe into it and you realize it's opportunity. It's uh, pains are, are gains and uh, in some ways, not that you go try to find pain, but when it happens, when it comes to you naturally, there's something for you. And as you breathe into it and breathe through it and deal with it, you might even say grieve it for the moment. And then the uplifting part comes, you know, that you feel like, okay, I have things to learn. I can manage. I'm resilient. I'm, I'm good at coping. And creative possibilities happen and joy begins to happen because you're not stuck in this tension fear cycle and your life force flows and your creativity flows and your joy even continues to flow or your happiness continues to flow in spite of frustration. So that's that's my um, lesson for the day or my pitch today. I'd like to hear what everybody thinks. We also have some questions, but I think we're going to put them off because I forgot about the questions. <laughs> Maybe we'll do them the next week. They're really good questions uh, from last week. But uh, let's start here. So uh, let's start. So when you were describing, Dr. Sollers, the physical manifestations of the frustration and this kind of self-limiting maneuver that we do, the word that came to my mind was clinching. Um, and I think that word really fits because clinching is something that we do when we're in pain, but also when we're in fear. Um, we clinch when we feel that a certain body part is in pain or if we feel a painful emotion, but we also clinch in anticipation of a painful emotion. Um, that is to say, in fear of uh, a painful emotion. Um, and then as far as uh, frustration goes, it made me think of um, this idea that Ideally, frustration should just be a dance partner in life. Um, you can't really get rid of it, but you work with it in this kind of artful way, uh, in a kind of skillful way. And, you know, as you said, you get something out of it. Um, if you don't shut the door to it and you kind of collaborate with it and work through it in this kind of way that I'm thinking of dancing with it, um, I feel that, uh, as you said, you can... Um, accomplish things in life and, and lead a more fulfilling life. One of the questions I had was, how can we convince people to do less of that clinching, to treat frustration as a dance partner, 
um, because of course we're talking about it now, but I'd like to know what are some ways that we can directly help people to achieve that? Okay, well, I can begin the answer then, but let's hear if uh, Joshua and Ben um, want to answer or they have a different point of view. And certainly we can cycle back to that. How do we get people to do that? Yeah, it's a good one. Well, I could uh, jump in with, um, I appreciate that, that point about uh, life being difficult. That's, uh, I think about my old mentor, Mel Shaw, once told me, it's like, hey, you know that um, a bu uh, book, I'm going to forget the name of it now, The Road Less Traveled by yeah. Scott Peck. He, sa he's, he said, you only need to read the first sentence, which is life is difficult. <laughs> um, and I think about, there's so many things we can say about life. Life is wonderful. We can go through a bunch of things, but that point about life being difficult is just massive. Um, and just to be able to accept that uh, is something that I have to come back to again and again, um, just to adjust my expectations. Uh, but one thing I, I was wondering about is just maybe a, a point of clarification for people who might be in abusive situations or in unjust situations. But sometimes if there's a big power power difference um, and someone says, well, you know, just kind of accept, accept your situation, it's really like up to you. Um, what would there be a point of, uh, I'm just wondering about maybe Dr. Sellers clarifying that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, that's a very good point. A very good point. So, it, you know, to apply this um, transformation and transcendence of frustration by accepting frustration psychically and, and relaxing, and uh, it really is not antithetical or doesn't work against this idea that you take care of yourself. That's these, the fact that you can relax into something and start to experience and you don't shut down and cringe and clinch. It leaves you with more abilities, more to, uh, to creatively uh, deal with the problem. It doesn't mean the problem goes away immediately, but you might have, you know, you might still stay in touch with your, you might say your creative poetic abilities to understand things more intuitively, find different opportunities. Uh, and it, it doesn't mean you should accept abuse without taking care of yourself, doing the best you can, you know, using your ego to sort things out, to be assertive when you need to be assertive, to leave the field, leave the relationship if you need to, or leave temporarily, to negotiate, to all these kinds of things, you know, to get help. These, these uh, faculties still stay intact, and it doesn't obviate them, you know, it doesn't eliminate them. So it's, it's not a contradiction. Uh, Self-care can still be the, uh, involved, but you don't amplify it and you don't make it worse and you don't cringe and close down, which really truncates your faculties to adapt and to uh, deal with things, you know. And this is really, this has been noted as part of a traumatic response. Consciousness constricts in trauma and available options constrict because the person gets in a panic state. And they, they lose track of abilities and options. It, just think of somebody who's, uh, you know, also like, I think I've used this example before, underwater and you, you, your air goes out. You panic. That's the worst thing, right? If you panic, 
because then you lose your ability to think of options and find a way out to find a way to you know manage as best you can. So the point there is that if you do this, it actually helps you deal with the world as well as keep your flow going, keep your sense of presence going, keep your sense of enjoyment of, or at least positive experience and, and felt sense of being okay, you know, if it's less than joy through it all, yeah? But you can, you can manage in better ways. So I hope that answers, answers the question. Well, I think of some, for myself, immediate situations I've been in where I felt that I definitely had to fight back in some way, push back, fight back. Uh, I had to engage in conflict and I had to engage in conflict other because I was being threatened in some way. Um, but I, but I also, uh, so, so I, I would say that, but also I hear in more, as you elaborate, I started to get the, a little bit of a martial arts sort of, um, image of, in even even in a conflictual situation or even in a, in a like a fighting situation um there can there can be a real strong uh argument and um idea of accepting what's what's happening there uh in the sense of knowing ex exactly what's going on and being able to go with a certain sort of flow uh that may encompass the the conflict um so um yeah i appreciate that yes, that's good yeah. yeah the idea of using the energy for your benefit you know the negative energy the, the, like in jujitsu they attack you you use it their momentum to throw them right you see that kind of thing right? rather than anyway um, i mean that can fit the whole idea and it's not that we don't have conflicts. It's just this is a better way to handle them. And as you as we move through life and apply these principles more, this principle of transformation, of frustration, of, of the duality, uh, you know, of pleasure versus frustration, that things get easier. And and you also, with a peaceful state of equanimity, rather than a tense, forcing, demanding, angry, dependent. You know, the combative kind of point of view, and I don't mean to take care of yourself, but as a way to make life change so that you're, you know, they people do what you want so you can be happy. That is counterproductive. And again, it doesn't mean that there aren't moments when you need to defend yourself. But a lot of times when we have this fear tension cycle, it isn't you're, you're just taking care of yourself. You're actually combating other people, making them in your forcing current, making them want to change, you know, have to change for you to feel okay, that kind of thing. So one one other passing thought here is that image you gave Farid of clinching. And I guess one place I go with that is like sometimes we I think I do I sometimes I do need to clinch, but then the mistake might be made if that's a, a state that I stay in um over time thinking uh i mean there's certain conflictual situations or extreme situations where we do need to clinch up and we do need to uh push back or what have you but maybe the mistake a lot of us i'll just speak for myself a mistake that i might make is a, then falling into that as a default mode for like uh lots of lots of situations as opposed to just saying okay that was appropriate in an extreme situation um for self defense or what have you but but now it doesn't apply probably 99 percent of the 
rest of the time so I can just let this go and just uh, unclench. <laughs> well, I'll say, Ben, I think the question you raised earlier is an important one because really I think you're introducing this distinction between acceptance as allowing into awareness and acceptance as putting up with. So to stay with the example of frustration, I think Dr. Sollers is right. There are cases where there is an underlying sense of frustration, but because your field of consciousness is so narrow and constrained in the ways that can sometimes result from trauma, you're not able to bring that frustration into awareness to bear on your decision-making and then go forward and make a decision with the full data of your felt bodily sense. That I think is the way that we use the term acceptance in a positive way. But you're absolutely right. Once the frustration has been accepted into my field of consciousness, so to speak, if I then say, well, the merits of acceptance dictate that I must just put up with this frustration, then yes. For example, if there's an exploitative relationship at work, then it would be negative for me to using this term acceptance than just put up with the frustration. So I think that's a distinction that you have introduced, Ben, by raising that uh, question. So I thank you for that. This idea of, are you accepting it by bringing it into your awareness and using it as data to see how to move forward? Or are you accepting it in terms of your putting up with it? In which case, as you rightly say, maybe you shouldn't put up with it. Maybe you should fight back. Yes. and and. Pushing back is and clenching are not the same thing, at least as we're trying to use it here. Shutting down, contracting, you know, uh, being tense about life events that come your way is different than staying open and using your faculties to manage, to be assertive, to even have to fight if you have to physically, which is rare these days, but now not, not out of the question. But you can be open to your experience and you can not get all tense and shut down your consciousness and block your body flow and, and, uh, and be available to take care of life, to take care of what comes your way. They're not, they're not a, a, a conflict or contradiction. And I would say, you know, I mean, just if you look at people that do well in situations, there seem to be the ones who um, I think uh, can do it, can approach conflict that way, even physical conflict. You know, they have this sense of like confidence and, uh, you know, not to, not to say if a lion's chasing you, you better run. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's a little different than what we're talking about. That you might be stay open to the flow and to run your ass off, okay? But I, we're not talking about all that kind of stuff all the time. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, but we're talking more about common frustrations where you you know you think you, life has to be different. I can't if my person doesn't do this for me and my wife doesn't do this for me. My, you know, if I, my job promotion doesn't come, if, you know, if I, I have another difficulty come, for example, I'll just get- Why aren't the dishes doing themselves? Yeah, things like that. That's right. You see common entitlement kinds of things, right? That, you know, rather than understanding, sometimes, you know, you have to, for example, you know, if you want the dishes to do themselves, they want the money to flow into your household, but you don't really want to put in the time and the energy to work because that's too frustrating. 
you're not going to get very far, right? You're trying to push the river. You're trying your your entitlement occludes, you know, the reality that you have to face. And if you can relax and start to look at your life and say, well, you know, I mean, this is a crass example, but if I really want to have money flow into my household, I better go to work. And even if it's not the, you know, $50 an hour job, maybe it's a $20 an hour, an $18 an hour job. I better do it because that's a step, at least on the ladder of self-care. But be, to be frustrated that, you know, some, sometimes people say to be mad at the rain for being wet, that's a problem, right? You know, it, you're going to, you're just going to beat your head against the wall for nothing. And don't, nothing can be accomplished because the rain is going to always be wet, right? So, no, as far as I know. <laughs> Somebody wants to say something. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, there's, oh, there's so many things I guess I want to bring up from this um, with frustration. Um, like the shooting, the shooting yourself. Like what I see with clients is that like when, when they're saying in their mind, it should be this way, it should be that way. What I'm starting to see is that, okay, the, these people have this expectation that the world is this thing, but the reality is the world is over here. And so that gap between their, the, what it, they think it should be. And that there's this entitlement piece with that where it's like, well, it should be this way because I want it that way. And then that leads to frustration. And it's sort of, for me, it's like all of our emotions have a positive function. They're trying to do something positively. It's just when, it, it, but they don't always as they're coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, for me, Fareed, with what you said, um, I see that sometimes emotion less is information and more is like fuel. It's like, it's like frustration is the fuel that you put in the engine to get you going down a certain path to do things. And to sort of like, if I'm frustrated that this thing is this way, well, that's going to push me towards changing that to be a different way, the way that I kind of want it to be. Um, sometimes that's not appropriate to do though. Sometimes it's not appropriate to, for me to take my frustration and use it in this way. Maybe I need to not use it. Maybe I need to use it in this direction or that direction. Um, but, oh my gosh, I wrote so much down. Um, like one of the things that came up for me was with this frustration, like I'm thinking practically, like how do, what are the practical things we can do um, in sharing this stuff? And in my mind, one of the things that comes up is like learned helplessness. Like how does that play into this? Like, because like I've had, I've certain parts of my life where it's just like, just such learned helplessness, especially in the social world. And so it's just like, um, I can be frustrated about it. I can have all these emotions about it, but in the end, I always end with this feeling of just helplessness. I can't do anything about it. Everything I've ever done my whole life has not worked out in this way. And so I've had all these emotions before, nothing's changed. And so it's it's a weird space to be in. And so what does frustration even do in that space for me, you know, or for other people that are experiencing a similar thing? Well, part of the idea with learned helplessness, and um, I forgot who was the, uh, was that Mike and Mom, or who was that? Uh, 
It was Seligman. Seligman, right. He also talked about inoculation from learned helplessness, which is really keeping your avenues open and keeping the creative possibilities open. I mean, and not and not throwing in the towel, right? Now it doesn't mean you force the old way, but you know, maybe you you meditate, maybe you relax and say, I've done all this, what else do I need to do? Or align with your higher self and the or the poetic and the creative in you universal consciousness and ask for answers right and and wait in, in, in a rhythm with them you know they don't, sometimes they don't jump out and say this is the answer <laughs> although i wouldn't say it, it never happens right sometimes in a dream this is the answer i had a in the dream somebody there was somebody holding up a, a placard you know telling me telling me the answer so i wouldn't miss it you know uh i didn't have to interpret symbolism too much in that dream it was right there in the, in the sign right so <laughs> but anyway so yeah so that it, it is even applies to learn helplessness you know otherwise if you shut down you're going to and if you rail against the frustration and tension and you say that's it and you that's really a passive uh, angry response directed at yourself in life that goes inverted, right? So you want to wait, you want to try, and then wait for answers that can, may come from different places and the different uh, solutions may appear, right? But uh, you don't want to just passively resign. Here's another thing about this. There are some people who, and maybe we do this alternately, you know, they have this sort of flaccid response to life, like, you know, things are not going their way. So they, they kind of drop out. They they don't try very hard. They, they just do what they have to do. Uh, then they get upset that they don't have more and life is boring and stuff. Part of that response is the fact that they, instead of understanding that they're frustrated, they even repress that. They just go. They just, they just drop out and they become bored and they become restless and they become unhappy. And it's like a ubiquitous feeling. And we've talked about this. It's kind of this idea. We talk about it in different angles. This idea that life lacks meaning, lacks, lacks zest. This is a flaccid kind of inverted response to frustration when people, they drop out of it and they repress it so much, they don't even know quite what they're doing. So part of the answer, going back to uh, Fareed saying, well, what do we do? How do we get help clients understand this? Is to help them uh, see and feel their frustrations to, to help them, you know, through our reflection, our interpretation, our clarification, is to help them see, uh, you know, where they're frustrated and then what they're longing for and what the tension is and how they deal with it. And maybe they drop out or maybe they you know, spitefully go on a certain path or maybe they just close off. So they, they do this so much, they're always tense and anxious all day long. That, there's a remedy for that uh, to a, in a large part just by not doing that and not having to enforce life, yeah? So go ahead, Ben. This this discussion too has me thinking of, uh, might, it might sound a little odd, it could be misinterpreted, but it got me thinking of in terms of the uh, helplessness or a feeling of powerlessness. I mean, one of my thoughts on that is um well number one it's one of the feelings that many of us humans want the least i mean it's it can be a terrible terrible feeling of being helpless or powerless i mean it's got to be one of the worst um that there is and then meanwhile and this is maybe the strange part i guess is 
I mean, I sort of look at it from a certain angle or certain scale. There's a certain factualness to that. I mean, it, it just if that that I say say for myself that I am powerless. Um, so I mean, if I look at sort of like a cos cosmic perspective, I mean, I am just one like pebble in a vast ocean. You know, um, if, if I'm you know in terms of just looking at the scale of things of I'm one, I'm only one person among 8 billion other people. Um, I'm only one individual among, I don't even know how many uh, species, you know, there are um, individual beings there are. And then you go out to that. I mean, so in this vast, vast scale, and, and that's, we could also go kind of, that's going outwardly, but we could go like more microscopically as well. And just the volume of things um, and the the immense powers that are out there in that scale, if I contemplate that, I mean, it, to some extent, you could still say, but you still have a little bit of power. But the relative power is so minuscule that there is some element of factualness that I actually am powerless. Um, and so I think that can be something that none of us want to feel but at the same time it can also be like well this actually might reflect at least one aspect of reality which then can can either be i think very hard to accept or sometimes it's a big relief like oh my feeling of powerlessness actually reflects reality at least in a certain way and then if i fast forward real quick then my next thing would be yes but i but i am here I am one individual and there are actual things I can do even in this vast scope of things. So, so I have kind of this baseline of a feeling of powerlessness, which probably also reflects some reality, but then also wait, no, but I'm still here and I do have these powers, these little powers. Um, and then it starts to feel empowering again. I start to build back up again, like, oh, okay. I can, I can do things. There are things I can do and it start to feel all like all the strength coming back and uh, something like that. But that's just like a rapid fire, maybe journey for me on the, you know, the, the powerlessness, helplessness thing. Yeah. Well, we're not omnipotent, you know, and there's a, the serenity prayer, Lord help us, uh, you know, change the things we can accept the things we can't and the wisdom to know the difference so yes but on a micro level if you want to transcend this fear tension pain cycle where things become more peaceful less frightening more um more sort of like uh, doable in life like more manageable and life becomes moves in the direction of peace a peaceful resilient response to life which moves us in the direction of happiness and and out of fear and into peace and this is this can be helpful but we can't we can't uh, on the macro levels it's hard to uh you know really picture how we can affect that although i do think macro level uh changes begin on the micro level right you've got millions of people who start to approach life differently the newosphere or the you know the the, the consciousness of the planet begins to change as well too yeah well i'm glad that josh brought up this idea of shoulds 
because the way that I understand shoulds are they are blocks in the ongoing stream of our felt sense. Um, I think at any given time, moment to moment, we have this stream of our conscious experience, of our affective experience. Um, and in an ideal situation, we open all the channels, so to speak, and we allow it to flow through us. And we act in a very spontaneous way on the basis of this moment to moment stream of experience. As soon as we say the word should, we impose something like a value judgment and we block off one of those streams. We pinch the stream. Uh, and I think from there we went into problems. To use an example that I think might illustrate this, if we're at work and a superior says something to us that we perceive as a slight, we may feel frustrated in that moment, but we may have an idea that while one ought not to be frustrated with a superior, that would be insubordination or disrespect. The moment that we pinch off that degree of frustration towards them, I think then we run into problems. As you said, Dr. Sollers, there might even be physical correlates of that pinching off or clinching. What we need to be helped to do is to open our range of consciousness and in a very frank way, have someone explain to us, yeah, it sucked when he said that and it made you frustrated. Let's bring that frustration into the room. Let's open up your degree of consciousness. Let's open that channel and accept it insofar as you're becoming aware of it. From there, Ben's distinction about acceptance as awareness versus acceptance as putting up with becomes important because once you've opened that stream and allowed yourself to be in contact with the frustration you have towards your superior at work, that's when you can say, okay, what do I do about it now? And I like, Josh, your metaphor of the fuel because then you take the fuel and you see where you're gonna apply it. For example, is this a slight that was objectively questionable and maybe I should go to HR, maybe I should complain about it in some way, or is it a slight that I think is an inevitable part of being in the position I am, in which case my frustration would not go into lodging a complaint at HR, but rather to just moving up the hierarchy at work and doing things that will enable me one day to be in his position to where I won't have to suffer such slights that happened as a virtue of the discrepancy in our positions. So there's something very subtle going on here where, again, the acceptance is not acceptance of the frustration per se. You do something about the frustration, but I think the first thing you have to do is open up your awareness enough to where you're not pinching that stream of awareness. You're just letting yourself feel and then act in um, a spontaneous way that reflects the reality of your lived experience. Very good. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Said, said I, very well, yeah. <clears throat> can I add to that? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I see when that stream gets pinched, that that's when that feeling then descends into the unconscious mind. And that's where people start to get really passive aggressive because they don't have that channel open. They can't assert, they can't express, they can't use that fuel, but it doesn't go away. It stays internally. And then it starts to outlet unconsciously in all these ways that, um, are problematic at times especially for the people who it's they're doing it's that that are doing it because they don't even realize that that's that frustration is still being outletted and then that can get other people can retaliate against that and then they don't know why and then that increases it and it gets vicious cycles going. 
Exactly. Um, very good. Very good too. That's exactly right. It, cre it creates more problems when you don't accept it, when you repress it, versus you accept it with a sense of equanimity and peace as best you can and learn from it. And maybe with the adaptable adaptivity that we have and resilience that we have, like Fareed saying, find better answers, find better ways, because we're not pinching it off, cringing away from it, that kind of thing. Yeah. We're aware and uh, we're breathing into it. And then life expands rather than contracts and pinches. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent way to kind of finish. Go ahead, Fareed. You want to you say something? One last thing, because I can't resist, Ben. You brought up this idea of hopelessness, helplessness, actually, as a spiritual aspect. And I'm so glad you said that, because that was exactly what I thought when Josh brought up this idea of helplessness. And I think, really, that's the nature of spiritual practice, is you take these bare facts of existence that would otherwise cause you distress, and you elevate them into the sublime. So in this case, yes, the very fact that we are puny humans that for the most part are determined by factors way outside of our control, that we're thrown into most situations, that we really exert only a very small degree of control, becomes not something to despair about, but something to be in awe about. Because of course, in most spiritual traditions, and I'll speak now in the Muslim tradition, you say, well, that's a sign of God's majesty. That's a sign of the creation of the design of reality itself. This is not a flaw. This is a feature of the design of reality. And again, what would otherwise evoke despair and maybe does in a purely secular setting. If you don't have a link to the transcendence, you can only despair about your helplessness in the world. But the spiritual offers you a hand and says, well, let's take this and actually have you be in awe of it and have you recognize that there's some kind of a majesty behind it or some kind of a positive spiritual truth that you can deduce from it. So I'm very glad you brought that up, Ben. And I think you said it better than I could, this idea of when you introduce the spiritual aspect, what at first looks like something to despair about actually becomes a transcendent truth. And, and mine's a secular version of all that. Uh, but that's absolutely beautifully put, Fareed. <laughs> beautifully awe, put. Yeah, it is. It's great. And the awe and wonder is really, uh, that's a that's a part of uh, the transcendent or the spiritual life. You know, is that we do have this awe and wonder. And uh, it's not, awe and wonder doesn't have to be despair, right? It's a very different way of looking at it and feeling into life. So that's really good, really good. Okay, so thanks everybody. So don't forget if you're on YouTube to, to like and subscribe and find us on all the podcasts. We'll answer some questions next next week. Uh, again, very rich and thank you everybody, all the panel people and Mystique. Thanks. You thank want to you. say anything to Mystique? You want to add in quickly or? No, I think I'm good. I was just enjoying listening this time around. So. Okay. Thanks. Thank thanks you for, for having me. Okay, everybody, have a great week. Have a good week. See ya.